Welcome to Salisbury Sermons, a podcast ministry of First United Methodist Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, as we prepare to hear your word, help us to receive the good news of your love with joy and delight, and give us ears to hear it and courage to proclaim it with the same passion of the captives who returned from exile in the time of Nehemiah. Amen. A reading from the prophet Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, beginning at verse one. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. On his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Malkiah, Hashum, Hashbadiah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Yamin, Akub, Shabethi, Hodiah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jezebad, Hanan, Peleah. The Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of those, portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this is the, this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Here ends the reading. Señor, un himno de 
from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot set would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. 
and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may, there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. Here ends the reading. gospel lesson from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Listen with me for the word of God. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Our disrupted schedules over the past couple of years, it's been difficult. It's been difficult trying to figure out how to do all the things we want to do and need to do. Everything has just been a little bit more difficult. Going grocery shopping, running errands, even church. 
we have been challenged like never before to be creative and to adapt in all aspects of our lives over the past couple of years, and that includes how we do church. After all, we have our customs, don't we? We have our regular ways of doing things. We have our traditions, our, our patterns of being, many of which are, are very meaningful to us because it connects us together. It also connects us to previous generations. It gives us a vision of understanding that it's not just what we're doing right now, but there's a bigger story to which we belong. It was Jesus' custom to go to the temple to worship. And when synagogues were being established, he would travel around to the synagogues and he would always go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As we hear in Luke chapter 4, it was his custom. It was his regular way of being faithful when he was in his hometown of Nazareth. You could always find Jesus in the synagogue for worship. It was his custom. And I would imagine for all of those people who gathered for worship in the synagogue on that Sabbath day, it was their custom too. And they were probably anticipating a customary day. You know, just another day to gather with friends and neighbors at the synagogue to hear from the Torah and to go home as if life is the same. But things would never be the same. Because the scripture that was read that day was fulfilled in their hearing. Jesus was handed the scroll from Isaiah. And you could actually get your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And you can see that the words Jesus read in Isaiah 4 reflect from Isaiah 61. It's a great way to see a connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament between the promises of the Old Covenant and what's emerging in the New Covenant. Bible scholars love to look at Luke chapter 4 and they wonder, did Jesus select this passage to read or was it the appointed text for the day? For example, during the year 2022, in our worship services, our scriptures are appointed by the lectionary. We're not just picking them randomly out of a hat, but they're appointed for the day. Was Isaiah 61 the appointed text for that day, or did Jesus choose it? Well, there's actually evidence that would support both ideas. But I don't want us to miss this. The content of what Jesus said, reflecting from the prophet Isaiah, was reflected in his living. So you can look at Jesus's life of ministry between Luke chapter 4 and all the way till he breathed his last on the cross. And you can see that in his preaching, his miracles, his teaching, the way he mentored the apostles, he was doing all the things that Isaiah 61 was talking about. Proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor proclaiming good news to the poor, letting the captives be released, recovering of sight to the blind. Jesus was making it happen. And in fact, it was ultimately happening through his death on the cross and ultimately the empty tomb on Easter. 
because it's the redemptive arc of God's love that is found within Jesus' life of ministry. And it must be found in our life of ministry. You see, what Jesus is describing is not just a preamble about what he is about to do all throughout the ancient Near East around the Sea of Galilee, but it's a description about our ministry as the church. There ought to be a point of continuity from what Jesus says to what Jesus did and how we as the church are faithful in response. There are different passages in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus describes his mission. For example, when Jesus says, I have come to save that which was lost. Well, Luke chapter 4 is another one of these very special moments where Jesus describes his mission and it becomes ours as well. It requires action. Faith put into action. Simply texting the praying hands emoji is not good enough. You and I are called to be the church, the body of Christ. As reflected in the beautiful text that Paul wrote to the Corinthians that we just heard. All of these body parts are needed in order for the body to be united. Much in the same way, all of you are needed. All of us are needed meaning other churches. I remember the time when I was in summer camp and another camper who I just barely met, he looked down at me as I was tying my shoes and he said, hey, what brand are you? What brand am I? Uh, I looked down at my shoes, I said, Nike? He said, no, 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 I I heard you talking about church earlier. What brand are you, Presbyterian, Pentecostal? I said, oh, (laughs) never really heard it put that way. Over the years, I've heard my fair share of jokes, you know, um, a Baptist and an Episcopalian walk into a bar kind of thing. I don't hear quite as many of those anymore. Maybe it's because my circle of friends have improved taste and humor. But I'm, I'm really modestly hopeful that that kind of antagonism is fading away. I hope so, because we need each other. We need each other in order to do the work that God calls us to do. It's not, it's not just something that you can do or First United Methodist Church of Salisbury can do. It's something we need each other in order to be faithful to the high calling of Jesus Christ. Think about, think about all the amazing things that happen in Salisbury and Rowan County when the faithful of God from different congregations come together. Perhaps most recognizably at Rowan Helping Ministries feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who would otherwise be absolutely frigid outside, providing a safe place to sleep so they're not on the streets. It's amazing. It's amazing what Rowan Helping Ministries can do. And it's, it's so much more than any one church. The same is true with Meals on Wheels or the Community Care Clinic. The list goes on. Some other examples, though, 
Christmas on Church Street. For the first time, the downtown churches came together to host about 750 to 800 people from the community to experience the story of Jesus' birth. It was just a month ago. It was marvelous. And can I let you in on a little secret? Some plans are in the works for a community Easter sunrise service at the Bell Tower Green Park. We have a planning meeting tomorrow about it. Now, what would it look like if there was just one church that hosted Easter sunrise service at the park? Yay, we won. We're the best. We have the most. We're the strongest. We're the most beautiful. Uh, That would not bear witness to the love of God in this world. I believe that it's not up for just one church to get it done, as if the foot could say to another body part, I'm of more value than you. But it's all the body parts coming together. I believe it takes a unified, connected, loving effort where barriers are broken down. That's what's going to make the biggest impression on the people who haven't thought one thing about coming to church on Sunday, January the 23rd. There are so many people in our community who woke up this morning and going to church was furthest from their mind. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why some people chose not to go to church this morning because there was a time earlier in their life when they were hurt, when church people hurt them. The church hurt them. Where people's own neuroses and troubles somehow find a way of causing harm upon another. It's incredibly sad. Damage is done. Hurt is inflicted. And many people as a result have said, forget it. I'm I'm not even going to think about going back. But dear friends, if there is a unified collected effort to make a positive difference with the love of God in this world, that, I believe, has a chance of breaking through the hardness of a person's heart. You know, back in the year 1910, there was a missionary conference in Edinburgh, Scotland. And one of the leaders of this, John Mott, an American Methodist, layperson. And his vision was the evangelization of the world in that generation. Pretty ambitious, right? In his mind, the only way that we could share the love of God with everybody in the world so that they could hear the redeeming power of Jesus' love in their heart so that they can experience forgiveness of their sins and walk in newness of life, the only way that it could possibly happen for everybody in the world is if all the churches could come together in unity where barriers are broken down, whether they are cultural, linguistic, even differences in interpretation of the scriptures or variations in theological ideas. That's what it's going to take. I believe that vision from over 100 years ago is still pertinent for us today.
I remember a church member many years ago in another town at another church. After worship one Sunday came up to me to complain about one of the hymns. And this person said, I don't know why we're singing that Baptist hymn. I said, well, aren't you always bragging about how you've been raised a Methodist your whole life and you've only been to a Methodist church for your whole life? Yeah. Well, then why are you such an expert on Baptist hymnody? Same church, another person complained about the liturgy, said, boy, this sure does seem like a Catholic service. I said, you mean the liturgy that comes straight out of our United Methodist Book of Worship? We are in no place to use labels in such pejorative ways. That's not what we're about. We're about bearing witness to the love of God and doing it with each other. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Things of this earth growing strangely dim. I I think the interpretation of that text is to say the little things of life the small stuff that we too frequently get so worked up about, the little things of life, oh my goodness, they just don't matter as much. They just don't matter as much, right? Dr. Peter Story, however, Methodist bishop and leader of the church in Southern Africa during the dismantling of apartheid, he offers a critique of that hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And it's not the things of this earth will go strangely dim, but rather the things of this earth you'll be able to see more clearly. Remember, Jesus was about the recovering of sight to the blind, amongst other things. Now, you know when Jesus says that, he's not just talking about, I'll take you to go visit the optometrist. The recovering of sight to the blind. This means people who have trouble seeing life the way it actually is. People who have trouble recognizing the truth. People who are obscured by other issues and competing voices and competing images, preventing them from from seeing things the way that, 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 that they actually are. So much so that people become blind to truth, beauty, and love. Jesus' work is about recovering of sight to the blind. It doesn't happen in just one conversation. It doesn't happen in just one ministry event. It doesn't happen because of the effort of just one church. It takes everybody all the time working together so that people can see, can see their sinfulness, can see their bigotry, the pain that they cause others. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and you'll be able to see life more clearly. You'll be able to proclaim the good news to the poor. You'll be able to help people who are otherwise oppressed and held captive by the troubles of this life to be set free. 
You'll be able to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when you live faithfully, the scripture will be fulfilled in your living. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we ask that you would rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share us with your friends. For more information about FUMC and our mission to make and nurture Christian disciples through the presence and power of God, we invite you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please visit our website at fumcsalisbury.org.